0: But Lord, keep me humble enough to make the corrections where I need to, but also to avoid the sort of dogmatic preaching, the tones and the statements that are not in keeping with his word, that are opinion and not based on, uh, on the text of scripture. Because I think that's where uh, authority can be abused the most is, is not through what we say, but the tone in which we say it. You're listening
1: to The Holy Joys Podcast, co-hosted by Jonathan Arnold and Dr. David Fry. Visit us at holyjoys.org and stay tuned for weekly discussions of theology and ministry practice, all for a holy, happy church. So last time we talked about the priesthood of all believers. And we want to have a series of discussions on restoration from sin, how that relates to restoring one another if a believer sins in the local church. Uh, But our discussion led us to this really important issue of interpretation of Scripture and how the the priesthood of all believers, if we understand it in its ecclesial context, it's something we exercise as a community. um, It shouldn't lead us to think that uh, we can interpret Scripture in isolation from one another either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one common way in which I uh, I see people acting as little popes. Um, they they read the Bible, they say, well, I have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, you know, illuminates me because of illumination. Uh, he told me this. And it's kind of like, if you question my interpretation, uh, then you're really questioning God and his authority. And of course the Bible's plain. So as long as I have the Holy Spirit, you know, I can understand it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so I've encountered two two ditches that need to be avoided. Uh, One is the notion that uh, any person, regardless even of their faith, can take God's word in isolation and understand it as well as anyone else. The other ditch is that you have to understand Greek and Hebrew in order to really understand what God is saying, that God's word is very obscure well that's you know so the tension is you know the the what's called the perspicuity of scripture or the clarity of scripture versus the obscurity of scripture uh the fact that we uh that it is accessible but also requires the help of the holy spirit Right. so mm-hmm. there's this there is this tension and uh i think right now the church world is more plagued by the The notion that everybody's opinion is equal—that we're all, that we have as many interpreters as there are, uh, as many interpretations as there are interpreters, and they're all equally valid. And so, I'll even hear people say things like, "Well, that's your truth." Sorry, I mean this goes yeah. through, right. I mean, these yeah. are coming from church people. That, that's your that's your truth. Well, no, I believe I believe that truth just is truth. It's not just truth for me. Now, if you mean that's your perspective of the truth, that's different. All right. But, but we don't each get to have just our own truth. And so there is a crisis of interpretation and I don't know what all contributes to that, but it has put pastors in quite a predicament. Um, so I had a uh, recent, I have, I have really good listeners in, in our congregation here and they they respond. In fact, our whole small group ministry is built around responding to the Sunday morning sermon. Uh, so I get I get critiqued intentionally every week, which is great because it keeps me on my toes. But but one one um, leader in the church, uh, I was preaching. I think I think I was preaching on heaven. I don't recall exactly now. But I was drawing from several sources without citing sources, which I don't normally do in a sermon, right? You know, I'll footnote them in my notes, but I don't usually say this came from this guy or this came from this source. And so he was questioning something and he's like, was that your like was that your opinion or what, what were you, you know, saying there? And I was like, well, I that is the best of my understanding of the passage in light of, and then I gave him the early church fathers and then some of the medieval fathers that I had drawn from for that. And to make the point, I don't interpret scripture in isolation. I read when I read commentaries, when I read the early church fathers, I'm I'm reading scripture along with them. Mhm. And I'm listening, even though they're dead and gone, I'm reading it with them because they're right here with me through their texts so that I can make sure that my understanding is somewhere in the ballpark of what
1: Christians other Christians uh, have believed as well. Mhm. So let's, let's start with unpacking a few of the doctrines that you've mentioned. I mentioned uh, illumination of the Holy Spirit, and you mentioned clarity of Scripture. So I recently um, wrote an article on the clarity of Scripture and how it relates to this very issue. I think all of these issues are kind of tangled up. Um, and, then, and then I think that'll lead us to some clarity on the priesthood of all believers on how that relates to this. So clarity, clarity of Scripture does not mean that everything is clear. Right. It doesn't mean that everything is equally clear. It means that the matters of first importance are clear so that an ordinary believer can read the Bible. They can understand the big story of salvation, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of it, and that if they put their faith in him, they can have their sins forgiven. And all things that are necessary for salvation in the Christian life are cl- sufficiently clear. However, there's lots of things that aren't clear. Um, so, so yeah, let, let, me,
0: let me add something to that. So what we call the perspicuity of, of, of scripture or the clarity of scripture mm-hmm. is based on a, a teaching of scripture, several teachings of scripture. But one of those is that revelation of God is also and first clear through nature, through general revelation. So one of the reasons that special revelation can be clear is because it presupposes that much of what is revealed in special revelation has already been generally revealed through nature itself. Interesting. So I think that's just a, a an important, um, just kind of to set up
1: the the context for that doctrine of the clarity of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So general revelation establishes, um, you know, th- that there is a God that we've all, there's a sense of like things I ought to do and not not to do. So there's a sense of moral accountability to that. God special revelation now introduces the answer that mm-hmm. I, yes, indeed I have sinned against God. Uh, and Jesus Christ is the way, the way to be right with God or reconcile with him. Um, so yeah, good, good. Um, so then that there's, this establishes uh, the doctrine of the clarity of scripture, the, the clarity of the gospel so that, uh, you know, any, any, church structure authority, um, cannot, cannot, um, how do I want to say this? Uh, They can't claim special privilege. Yeah, right, right. Yes. As though they are the only ones who understand the gospel and have the true gospel, right? right? Because the go- right. gospel is clearly revealed in scripture. Um, but when it comes to so many things in scripture, as Peter Peter says, you know, in Paul's writings, there are many things which are hard to understand. Okay. So we, we're united around the matters of first importance, which are clear in scripture. Those are summarized in the great Christian creeds. But now how do we as a church navigate the many other things in scripture that are n- less clear? And I think part of it is recognizing that there's not a problem with God's revelation, but that we all have been affected by sin. There are noetic effects of sin. There's effects of sins on our mind. There's the fact that as human beings, we're finite, we're limited. We're limited to certain cultural contexts. We're prone to read scripture through our biases, through our experiences. And this is why as a community, we so desperately need one another. We need one another's varying perspectives. but among the community, not all people are equally intelligent or educated or informed. And so not everybody's perspective is equally valid. Mm-hmm. Pastors are those who have been recognized among the community as having a special character and intelligence and ability. I mean, Able to teach the qualification for an elder indicates aptitude, intelligence, and ability. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we must emphasize intelligence. You've got to have a certain level of intelligence and ability to, to expound the word faithfully, to obey Paul's commands You know, in, in the pastoral epistles. And so as the community as a whole interprets scripture together, they ought to be highly respecting and revering those among them who've been recognized as having a special character in leading them and thinking about these things. That doesn't mean that the pastor has, you know, unquestioned, um, absolute authority to interpret and say, you know, once. but it does mean that, that the community ought to be a learning community overseen by pastor theologians who are equipped and, and tested and tried and proven to have expertise, if we want to put it that way, in expounding the word.
0: Yeah, so there are there are increasing levels of clarity through that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one thing for me to read scripture, say, devotionally each morning and, and to gain everything that I can personally from it. But then it's another when I'm reading it with someone else, whether it's an early church father or someone who is actually in my presence, and we're reading it together and reflecting on it. Because uh, we do have you know the promise that that of of Christ's special presence, right in community, when we are in communion, that increases that ought to increase the clarity with which we understand Scripture, and it ought to increase the probability of our interpretation. And this is where we need to distinguish between what we're talking about in this doctrine of scripture. Uh, between the interpretation and the text itself, so we, you know, I affirm the inerrancy of the text. I don't affirm the inerrancy <laughs> of my interpretation, right? <laughs> and I, although I do know some people who would, and and uh, they would uh, affirm their own inerrancy of interpretation, but, uh, but that's an important distinction. We're talking about the interpretation, so we're not talking about that there is uncertainty in the text. If there's any uncertainty, which there is, it's in our interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. So we're increasing uh, probability of what the text means as we expand our uh, our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as Methodists, all right, we interpret with other, you know, Wesleyan Methodists. But then, if we incorporate other believers from other uh, traditions within the Christian Orthodox faith we're going to have we're going to broaden the probability of our understanding, uh, especially of the core uh, mm-hmm. doctrines. Uh, there are peculiar beliefs that each tradition has uh, on 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 fairly minor issues uh, where we're going to differ. Uh, and I think we can say that obviously the church doesn't have as much clarity on, those issues, say for instance, the manner in which one is baptized. Uh, there's not as much clarity on that as there is, uh, you know, say the um, you know the the, the little, fact that we must be baptized. Well, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yep. right, right. The the fact of baptism, right. Mm-hmm. So th- that's a I think that's a good example of how we can
1: uh, increase uh, clarity. Yeah. So you mentioned Christ's special presence in the community. That relates to the second the second doctrine that I think we mentioned, which is illumination. So this mm-hmm. is, I hear this all the time, you know, uh, we each have the Holy Spirit and he illuminates us, but Christ promised that he would guide the church into all truth, that promise mm-hmm. that he Guard the Mandal truth that He would send the Spirit to illuminate them and reveal to them all things, is a promise that's given to the Church as a whole, not to any one individual yes. in isolation from the Church. So this is why I like to talk about corporate illumination. I don't know if there's a better term to use, but I don't think we we ought to think about illumination as simply God illuminating my individual mind. Yeah. Although that happens, sure. but that that primarily God illuminates the community as a whole, and part yes. of the illuminating process is. Actually, the, the the whole process of searching the scriptures together uh, as a co- learning community, overseen by by pastor theologians who are apt to teach, you know, uh, have that have that capacity.
0: So, someone might think, well, are we questioning the ability of scripture? Are we, you know, isn't part of the authority of scripture such that it is? It's so clear that we ought to be able to, yes, with the help of the Holy Spirit, but that we ought to be able to understand everything in it. Uh, and I would say that's a confusion of of concepts here that, yes, Scripture is completely author- authoritative, but that's saying one thing. It is quite another thing to say that, therefore, I ought to be able to understand how its authority functions completely. Mm-hmm. In my life or in the life of the church. In other words, it's a distinction between the text itself and my understanding of it. And some people have really, really had a difficult time making that, I think, fairly simple distinction. Um, and yet some people feel like that somehow that's a threat to the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture is not threatened by our lack of understanding of it. Let's be clear mm-hmm. of that. Uh, not at all. Uh, so let's let's not equate authority with clarity. So let me insert one one more before we get to the priesthood, and that is the uh, divine preservation of of truth. So yes, we affirm full authority of Scripture, inerrancy of Scripture of the text. But that's all nice and good for the original text. But what what about what we have? And so I think it's important for us to know that although there are disagreements among Christian scholars of issues like we've just brought up, uh, the truth has been preserved somewhere within the body of of Christ, so that God preserves the truth which He revealed. And so it's not like we are looking for something that might be lost, may have been lost in the past. Uh, God, God pre- also preserves his truth, but he has preserved it within the church and with what we would call tradition, we, within the mm-hmm. tradition of the church or the history of the interpretation of scripture. They're not all wrong. All right. Now, none of us are completely right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of all of the interpretations of scripture, the truth is there somewhere. So that's why it's important for us not only to read the text, but to read it in community. We can trust, we trust the text, but we can also trust, have a slightly lower, but still have a a high level of faith in the community which gives us the text and interprets it before us. Uh, there is a, there is a high level of certainty within that community. Does that, does that make yes, sense? Yes. The
1: church is a pillar and ground of the truth, yes. a pillar and buttress of the truth. Um, not any one member in isolation from the body, but together as a community, we are the place where the truth has been deposited. The faith was once for all delivered to the saints. That is the mm-hmm. communion of saints, the church, and it's through the church that the Holy Spirit preserves the truth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and the reason this is important is because there have been moments in history. Uh, one uh, would be like, like so, John Smith, the what was he, sixteenth century, uh, kind of Baptist father of the Baptist tradition, who ended up Mennonite, but he baptized himself, right? He baptized himself, and the reason was is because he said there was that the, that there was no longer purity in the church that he oh couldn't trust. Well, he can't, he repented of that later. All right. Oh, he good. did <laughs> He knew of that later, but he had come to a point in his understanding where he thought that an essential truth had been lost. Mm-hmm. And this did not have to do with the inerrancy of scripture or the authority of scripture. It had to do with the preservation of truth. Hmm. And he felt like he had found it, whereas everyone else had lost it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that doesn't happen because God superintends His Word and the yes. preservation of His Word.
1: Very good, and that's so that brings us back to to the Reformation again. Um, Roman Catholics will charge, you know, her charges like you know, here's this Martin Luther guy, one person among the whole church who stands up and says, "Here I stand," you know, I'm the only one with the truth. And I would say, yep, you're right. Not going to listen to that guy if I didn't believe that mm-hmm. Martin Luther was saying things that were consistent with the, the history of interpretation mm-hmm. in the church. The, the fundamental, and, oh, this is so key, I think, the fundamental Protestant claim is not getting back to scripture instead of tradition. It's mm-hmm. getting back to the true tradition, which is a consensus about how scripture is understood. Uh, it's not to use the categories that Van Hooser uses. It's not T zero, tradition zero, you know, right. and it's not tradition two either, two separate sources, but it's, it's tradition one where there's one faith, one deposit, and that's been preserved in tradition. Uh, The consensus of the church yeah. on these, these important matters in, in scripture. Yes. Yes. So now priesthood of all believers. So interpreting scripture is a priestly Function, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. priesthood of all believers. What does that mean if we're all we are all priests to God and we share as the church a priestly character? What does that mean now for how in you know, scripture is interpreted and expounded in in the community of faith?
0: Yeah. So as a pastor, and and I'll add this not to you know toot my own horn or, or sound you know braggadocious, but as a pastor with a PhD, this is a a continual tests of my belief because it's easy as anyone who has higher education uh, has experience. It's easy to to say, Hey, I'm the expert. You just need to trust me. You need to take my word for it because I'm the one with a PhD and you don't, you know, you may not even have a high school diploma. Okay. That's yes. That temptation is there but I have to tell you that regularly uh, even this week as I have uh, actually just in, in the last 24 hours had a conversation and someone asked me about a particular passage I said I don't think that that's possible from the from the Greek construction here uh, and so I looked and 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 I, I was right on that but then as we continue to Converse, I said, Well, you know what? I began to see another way of understanding the way they were wanting to apply it to their mm-hmm. circumstance. And I said, Well, okay, I am I'm, I'm starting to see now. And I think we need to bring in these other scriptures here because you, this scripture won't carry that weight. And so I would never have come to that if I hadn't been pushed and prodded and challenged and questioned and to To begin to to build a a better case, and and together we did this. And we were coming from two different directions. You know, a, a I mean, it wasn't a strong disagreement, but we we're coming at it from two different directions. And I began to help him understand that his point was his sentiment was valid. He just needed a better way of coming about to it through scripture, and it helped stretch me to make correlations I hadn't made before. And so I strongly believe that uh, I, I don't, especially, it's especially important for me to be in conversation with people who don't have PhDs. And it's also important for me to be in conversation with people who do. Mm-hmm. Um, I need that. And as um, I, I think it was Carl Bart uh, who said, uh, that, uh, it could have been John Wesley, but, uh, one of those Europeans, uh, said something about,
1: Oh no. Did you really just put John Wesley in the same sentence as Carl Bart? No, I, can,
0: I, can no! I can hear <laughs> Wesley or Bart saying, this. this might be the only thing they ever say in common, but uh, is, is they said, I can learn something from the man on the street. Yeah. And I can learn something from the man on the street. Mm-hmm. And both of them, uh, had that, had that spirit about them. And there's, there is no one from whom I can't learn something. Mm -hmm. And I think if we have that attitude uh, that will foster an openness and will counter the (laughs) built-in pride that uh, so many people take in their accomplishments Mm -hmm. or in their position uh, or uh, and the power that they have—it's uh, we we need to be constantly checked of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think for for anyone who has any any level of training in uh, theology in biblical studies, uh, I want to strongly urge—and uh, really anyone in, in who has higher education—strongly urge you to uh, sit under the ministry of those who are preaching and teaching in the context where you are and uh, and be very charitable and open and affirm everything you can. Uh, there are unquestionably things that I would today go back and retract from, from what I've said. Mm-hmm. And I, in fact, I hope that uh, in the next 10 to 15 years, if the Lord permits, I I fully intend to write a composition of retractions of mm. things that I would go back and listen to my sermons or look at things I've written and do what the brave you know men Augustine. and women who've gone before us you know like Augustine and even yeah. Wesley Wesley yeah. even did this mm-hmm. as well and uh, and why because that it, it's humbling but it checks ourselves it checks. Uh, our our, our self understanding is it, it speaks of a self awareness that you know I am not the final answer and yet God has entrusted to me a responsibility of interpreting God's word for the church for for our local congregation and that's a great responsibility and I'm not always going to get it right but Lord keep me humble enough to make. The corrections where I need to, but also to avoid the sort of dogmatic preaching, the tones, and the the statements that are not uh, in keeping with his word. Mm-hmm. that are opinion and not uh, based on on his uh, on the text of scripture. Uh, you know God helped me to to avoid those things because uh, I think that's where perhaps, authority can be abused the most is not through what we say but the tone in which we say it thank you for listening
1: to the holy joys podcast email your questions to podcast at holyjoys.org and they may be featured on a future episode our labors for a holy happy
0: church are supported by generous listeners like you please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate